Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. On this episode, I'm sharing a conversation with Michelle Wax, the founder of the American Happiness Project. Michelle works with people and organizations to reduce burnout and strengthen mental wellness. Michelle shared some really great strategies that take only minutes each day. These strategies can help reduce feelings of burnout, make managing conflict easier, and make you an overall happier person. But before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that we have an exciting announcement coming soon at Ambition Theory. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at Ambition theory.ca so that you don't miss it. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for coming and joining us here on the Ambition Theory podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about who you are and what you are all about? Of course. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. My name is Michelle Wax. I'm the founder of American Happiness Project. And what we do is we started out as a 50-state documentary project that was filmed back in 2019, and really wanted to capture how everyday people are creating more happiness, more fulfillment, more energy, more of all those positive emotions at work and beyond that in life as well. And so what what really we discovered in that documentary filming process was that there's a real hunger for that information out there. And so now what we do, and we've expanded now globally as well, because the strategies that we share in the workshops we do really apply to human beings in general, is we work with companies, normally HR leaders are bringing us in to host workshops to, you know, how to start using the science of happiness to your advantage, how to build positive habits, move beyond burnout, um, all of these kind of topics that fall under the umbrella of mental wellness. And then we also do in-person events throughout the country and a whole bunch of other initiatives to just help people create more joy and more connection in the everyday. I love that. So it started out with you going around the US. And so most of our audience is Canadian. So I'm Canadian um, in Halifax. We have people from across the country in our audience. We do have some American um, Americans in our audience as well. But I loved hearing the fact that you're finding that this science of happiness, the stuff you're le- that you're learning that you discovered is relevant around the world. So that makes me excited. Like humans are humans. Um, and so thank you for, for saying that and including that. Um, but I'm so curious. It's such an interesting thing that you did, uh, like really figured out what makes people happy and how do you spread more of it? I'm so curious as to what was going on with you before you, you started this project. Yeah, that's a great question. So I basically did a 180 from what I was doing before. Um, I had always wanted to own a business. I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I thought from the time I was a kid that that would be in the food industry. And so when I was a kid, you know, I had the lemonade stand with my brothers and was very in that spirit of entrepreneurship. Um, And so after college, I started a cookie catering company and also a kitchen incubator space here in Boston, Massachusetts that allowed other small businesses to really start and grow their companies in the area. And I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. But I reached this point about four years into that where 
it was profitable. It was doing well, right? People were coming to me and kind of looking in um, from the outside and saying, wow, you must be so happy, right? This is really your dream. And I wasn't in a dark, dark place, but I found myself waking up and like many people just wasn't feeling as fulfilled or as happy as I thought I should be at that point because I'd worked really hard. I'd gone after what I wanted and I I was still feeling that stress and that self-doubt and that worry. And so I started to look into, I got to this point of frustration. I also felt fairly guilty about it because I knew objectively there's a lot of good in my life. And so I started looking into the science of happiness. What's happening in my brain? Why am I almost automatically going to this stressful place or this place of worry or self-doubt? And that's really where I got interested in the science behind what's happening in the brain and how to really start to shift that and create a more positive mindset. Because I learned that our brain's natural wiring actually skews negative. And that's why there is a lot of complaining. That's why there can be a lot of stress and a lot of these more negative emotions. It's really no one's fault, just the way the human brain was wired to really protect us in our primal days. And so once I started implementing the strategies, they were simple tweaks that really almost seemed too simple to make such a tremendous impact. But I really wanted to start capturing how, you know, I'm just one person. I wanted to capture perspectives and stories from now all over the world and start sharing that. So something that that might resonate well with someone, um, one person might not resonate with another. So want to collect those stories and, and start sharing them. I love that. And so at what point did it go from being about you and you finding your own happiness, you finding the tools for yourself and then shifting to being about other people? Tell me about that. Mm. So I'd always been interested in really collecting and compiling different perspectives. Previous to American Happiness Project, I wrote a book called The Attainable Dream, where I interviewed a whole bunch of entrepreneurs on how they started their companies and really the mistakes they made so other people could avoid them. Um, But it was really when I had the idea to film the documentary and to really kind of branch out on this wild journey, um, where I started to shift to, you know, how can I find these people? How can I start interviewing people and kind of break out of my own comfort zone to, you know, chat with people from all over the place about it. Okay. And then you felt you realized the story needed to be shared with other people. Can you tell me, um, I want to go back because you said something really interesting, this idea of like our brain being wired for negativity and it going back to like those primal instincts. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, of course, of course. And this is something that, because I chat with, you know, a a whole bunch of different people um, all the time. And I think often, myself included, when we when we have any of those more negative emotions, we think that we need to get out of that state, or we think something's wrong with us. And what I discovered when digging into the science was that the reason our brains are wired to go to that place of looking for what could go wrong, right, or that worst case scenario, very rarely, we think about what could go right, or really the opportunity in something that's perhaps been done before. And that's because in our primal days, really our top priority, you know, when we were first created as human beings was to keep ourselves alive and to keep ourselves safe. And so we had to be on alert for any threat in our environment, you know, whether that be in our primal days, a bear lurking in the distance, right? And so our brain really was wired to be on the lookout for what could go wrong because that helped keep us safe and helped keep us alive. But in present day, hopefully most of us don't have to deal with, you know, a bear about to attack us. But the the, the magical thing or the interesting thing about the human brain is that any type of perceived threat, whether it be an actual threat, like a bear about to attack you, a car about to swerve into your lane, or more often than not with humans, a perceived threat. So getting an email you really didn't want to get, right? Having a tense conversation 
interpreting something in a different way than someone else that leads to a conflict. All of these things are perceived threats in our environment, and they really trigger this more primal fight or flight response, which can lead to burnout and stress and all these more negative things. So is that really what burnout is? Like that, like that over and over that negative feeling that like that feeling threatened, is that what causes people to burn out? So what's happening is that within your mind for any type of perceived threat, and there, there's millions of them, right? Everyone's going to kind of have, have different ones, right? Depending on their own experience. But what happens is our, our fight or flight response gets triggered, which you've likely heard of. Again, a very primal thing to help keep us safe. We really had all these things, chemicals, physical chemicals in our body really rush to the attention to either run away from a threat or stand and fight that threat. And in our primal days, that made sense if it was a bear about to attack you. But what happens is that that's where really the chronic stress comes from that can lead to burnout if, if it's not managed, right? That fatigue, that lack of motivation, that feeling of just exhaustion, sometimes what can appear for no reason. But it's often because all this is starting in the mind and really affecting the body as well. And how do you even become aware of that? Because it's kind of like it's in your mind, it's stress, and people a lot of the times can't identify what is this stress coming from? How do you start to recognize, even in yourself, if maybe you're on the verge of burnout, maybe your like instincts to this negativity is taking over? How do you even know if this is happening to you? Mm, yeah, and it's interesting too, because everyone's going to have, you know, different points of that kind of tipping point or leading to the burnout. And really, it all starts with, with self-awareness in a very simple way. And that's really bringing awareness to that stressful thought you're having and kind of taking a step back to see, okay, is this actually because of all the emails in my inbox or is it something else, right? And really bringing self-awareness to that. So it might take some time to do, but a really good exercise to get started is to track your thoughts for one day. And we have a lot of thoughts per day, so you're not going to be tracking every single one of them. But when you start to feel in your body, right, that stress, I know for me, it's like in my stomach when I feel kind of that gut-wrenching moment. Um, When you feel that, right, bringing awareness to, and we recommend setting an alarm on your phone every couple hours. So you remember to do it, but setting an alarm on your phone and just writing down every couple hours, what am I thinking about? And how is that making me feel? And then if you do this for a day or ideally even a couple of days, patterns will start to emerge. And that's when you can start to shift the thought process around it and go to a place of bringing the self-awareness to it. And then starting to route to a place of instead of positive thinking, that's kind of blind positivity that doesn't necessarily work most often because you don't really believe yourself going to a place of neutral thinking around it. And then from there, you know, shifting to a more positive place. Oh, I love it because we don't actually pay attention to our thoughts. So just setting an alarm. And what were the two questions again? Like, what am I thinking? How is that making me feel? Writing that down. And that will kind of help us to get to that neutral point where you're actually in it. So it's, you can, you're able to control the fight or flight, right? You get that trigger, like that bad email or that negative feedback. And then instead of going, letting the instincts take over, you're actually controlling your thoughts. Is that how it works? Yes, exactly. Because, and this is, you know, I like to call this out because happiness is in our brand name and can kind of be seen as a fluffy topic. It's not to say that stressful things aren't going to come up, right? Or things that aren't going to go wrong. Of course they are. It's part of the human lifestyle. But the people I've interviewed and really have worked on this since then through the workshops and things like that, they're able to get out of that state a lot quicker than most people. And what's actually happening in the brain is that when you have that stressful thought or that fight or flight's triggered, you're operating from something called the amygdala, which is, again, very primal, 
Um, you can get into this deeper. There's a great podcast called The Huberman Lab with a neuroscientist from Stanford, but really you're operating from that. And what happens is that when you become self-aware, you start to shift back into really the front part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. It's a lot bigger than that amygdala response that's very primal. And it's really what makes human beings human beings, right? It's that focus. It's that ability to emotionally regulate. And I won't go too deep into it, but it's um, it's really that ability to First of all, just bring that self-awareness, which almost seems too simple, but it's extremely powerful, and then start to shift back in. Okay, so I want to go back to this concept of burnout, because I hear so many people, I felt like I was experiencing burnout a couple weeks ago from just everything that's going on. How do people, like, first off, how do you even know if you are experiencing burnout? Because we use the term all the time, like, oh, I'm burnt out, or... How do you know you're not just tired or you're maybe, you know, taken on a lot? There's like all these, because you talked about opportunity before, like maybe you're pursuing lots of opportunities. How do you know the difference between that and really being able to diagnose like if you have burnout or not? Yeah. And it, it's a difficult question to answer because it will be different for everyone, right? Certain things are going to, you know, trigger it more, more quickly or, you know, it, different things are going to lead to it. It might even be in a personal way you're experiencing that burnout. Um, but I would say, at least for me personally, if I'm feeling that fatigue and just lack of motivation for longer than a week, like a work week, right? Five days probably is burnout. And we probably need to start to kind of evaluate and, and bring some awareness to it. But again, that's going to be different for everyone. So it's a little bit hard. But I think I know for me personally, when I start to experience that lack of motivation and fatigue, that's when I know personally myself. Um, so if you're feeling not really like yourself and you, you don't really understand why, might be time to, you know, have or to incorporate some strategies that can help with it. Okay. So, so some of those strategies, like, is it that really just paying attention to your thoughts? That's the, the best place to get started. Um, there, there are of course other strategies that you can be doing daily things like starting your morning on your own terms. Um, you've probably heard of a morning routine. I feel like morning routines can be a little daunting um, because often they're taught or talked about as kind of this 30 minute an hour long thing, which a lot of people I know for self, for myself, at least it's kind of daunting. So instead, um, what I like to do and what we recommend doing is just starting your morning on your own terms. So asking yourself a couple of what we call morning questions to kick the day off. And um, I can get into the questions if you want. I know I want to pause to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that you say that because I remember reading Robin Sharma's book, The 5am Club. And I I'm a firm believer of the morning routine. I have rituals and I take about probably like 30 to 45 minutes. It includes exercise, reading, journaling. Um, when I felt burnt out, I, my morning routine was not in order. So it totally does work. But I do remember talking about it. And when I'm reading that book, I read that book, I felt like it was aspirational. But on the flip side, it could be a little bit toxic because it's like this badge of honor that people that people wear say I wake up at five I exercise I only eat healthy I drink my green smoothie and it becomes this like badge of honor this checkbox that is not realistic for everybody and when you don't have time for it like for for example during when my kids were home from school this past year I didn't have time to do that full morning routine and it puts you in this position where you're comparing yourself to other people and you're feeling like you're not delivering and then I think it it spirals down to those negative thoughts. So I love this concept of starting the morning on your own terms. It's so simple. Like literally, like I'm going to, 
ask myself two questions. So tell us the questions, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you're saying too, because I feel like at some points in my life, I do have that, you know, not hardcore is the wrong word, but I have that strong morning routine where I'm doing the meditation. I'm going for a walk or I'm working, right? But then other points in life, and I feel like often when personal things come up, we might not have time for that. So the three morning questions are, number one, what can I look forward to today? So it's allowing yourself to think about what you can look forward to in your day, whether it be a work day or after work. And if you can't think of anything, right, taking some time to not force yourself, but to, you know, allow yourself an opportunity to say, you know, what can I incorporate to start to look forward to? Number two is what has potential to stress me out or worry me today? And how will I choose to respond to it? So this allows you to get ahead or, you know, get ahead of any event or situation or meeting that might have potential to stress you out or worry you or insert any other negative emotion there. Now, of course, things are going to come up that you can't anticipate, right? Any stressful things, worrisome things. But by choosing how you're going to respond to it, whether that be taking a breath or, you know, taking some time to not respond right away, maybe taking a minute or two, what you allow is you you take really that back that control of the situation. And that's something that human beings really crave is that control and that certainty. Because going back to the primal days, right, if we felt like we weren't sure what was happening, right, or we didn't feel that certainty, there might have been a threat in our environment that was, you know, physically of danger to us. So number two is um, what has potential to stress me out or worry me today and how I choose to respond to it. And then finally is how do I want to feel at the end of today? And what do I need to do or not do to make that a reality? So really setting that intention of that emotion you want to be feeling. Maybe you're choosing it from that words to live by list or you're choosing something else for that day. And then making sure that you can, you know, kind of create this plan in your mind or on a piece of paper of what you need to do or not do so that by the end of the day, you know, you haven't just set the intention and it's fallen out. Um, you've been able to actually create that feeling within yourself. Two parts of the question that I love. How do I, like, how do I choose to respond? I love that part of the question. And the second one is, what am I not going to do? So it's like taking that control back. And it's like, like you talked about that fight or flight response, right? It's like, I'm choosing not to see this as a threat right now and it lets you kind of anticipate the situation and like hijack your brain so that you can actually choose your response instead of letting your instincts kick in so thank you for those questions those are really powerful i'm definitely going to start my day tomorrow with them um so i love that we talked about these personal tools that people can use and i know you said you work a lot with companies on helping people employees get get happier at work. And I'm so curious as to whose responsibility it is, like, especially with burnout, like, what is on what is the onus of the employee or like the person feeling burnt out? And what is the onus of the organization and the structure? Can you talk about how those two play together? Because most things that I, I've heard, most people that talk about it's all, it's all on you, right? To figure out what are you going to do? I got to fix my morning routine. I'm feeling burnt out, but I want you to just talk about what your opinion is on that, how they both play together. I, I love that question. That's not one I've gotten before. I love that. So yes. So of course, with self-awareness and for implementing the strategies and doing what you're doing day to day, you're going to be you know, most aware of yourself and what's going to actually make an impact for you and resonate with you. But with the companies, what I hear a lot is that, you know, even if they kind of send out an email about an initiative or tell people to take time off, 
a lot of people don't feel safe or comfortable actually doing it. And so I think that's where it's the responsibility of managers and leadership to really embody whatever, you know, processes or whatever opportunities that they're sharing, you know, written word. Actions are always more powerful than words. And so being able to see that your manager is actually incorporating the strategies or is actually taking that time off, right, or doing whatever they need to do to reduce the burnout is going to be a lot more powerful than just sending initiative after initiative out um, because people have to feel, you know, comfortable. They have to feel supported in that as well. And so how do you do that? So thinking of like someone in a big company, like where, how do you even get started creating that safe space, creating that, that like environment for people to model the behavior? Because I think it needs to be like that trickle down effect, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I think it really begins with top leadership, um, whatever that level is, you know, at the company, depending on the size of it. And not only just embodying it, and, and but also sharing about it. And making sure that people know about it as well, um, because you know, often, especially if there's a couple layers in between top leadership and um, a, a person that's perhaps a little bit further down, um, they're not really hearing about it or really connecting with that person day to day. So, making sure that it's it is shared, whether that be you know in Slack or email or whatever town hall meeting style, and also making sure that managers are sharing that in one on ones as well and with their team meetings too. So that there can be as much transparency and communication around it as possible. Um, and it probably will take some time, right? Especially if an organization isn't doing that right away for people to, to feel that, that support. Um, but done consistently, it does make an impact over time. Cool. So one other question I have is this idea that I've read that you have an opinion that taking days off when you're burned out isn't actually the answer. Um, and that's a lot of the times the message that you hear, right? Oh, take a mental health day. Oh, you're going to, I know a lot of big companies here in Canada have said, oh, we're giving our employees an extra day off because they're burnt out. Um, but you say that is not the answer. So I am so curious. What is the better way? Can you tell us? Yes. So of course, taking time off is important, right? I love taking time off as well. But really where you see highlighted, like we were saying, a lot of big companies are doing this and it's it's in the news now of, you know, people giving extra time off and things like that, especially now it's in the summertime. But my whole perspective on it is that, yes, taking time off is great. Take the vacation, take time to reset and disconnect. But what happens when you come back to work, right? Because you're going to come back eventually. And what are you doing day to day where you don't end up in that same state where it's just this constant repetition and constant cycle of things? And that's really where the daily habits and the mindset shifts come in, where you're able to re really prevent it. So you don't get to a point where, okay, you've reached that state of burnout. Now we got to go through this whole process of taking time off and making sure that we're kind of doing a full reset um, in order to really what we want to be doing is not reaching that point at all, ideally. And so that's really where we focus with the workshops and just in everything we do on those really small things you can do that aren't going to be massive overhaul of life or that intimidating, um, but do make an impact more in that consistency day to day. So just like that money. So is there something that um, like a team could adopt, like a simple solution that like a team of say 10 people, um, a habit that they could introduce in their culture just to get started? Mm. So w one that I love personally, and that's been resonating recently because you We've talked about morning routines. You've probably heard of evening routines. 
But what's happening in the middle of the day, right? The biggest chunk of the day. And so we love to share about midday routines that don't have to be that long at all, but encouraging people on your team um, or in your community to be taking, you know, five, 10 minutes in the middle of the day, whether it be at lunch or maybe it's 2 p.m. when you're kind of feeling that more sluggish slump to step away from the computer, right? Maybe get out in nature, maybe take some time to read a book or just do something you enjoy um, in order to have that time in the middle of the day that your brain is able to reset and you're not just constantly in work mode um, for that, you know, whatever span of time it is during the day. So could people do this together? Because this this idea of like doing a walk, reading a book, that's all individual activities. Is there something that people could do together, like as a team, like we're all going to have this midday routine and we do whatever and that is there anything like that I I actually that's an amazing idea one I haven't thought of before because when we do the workshops people are doing breakout rooms and connecting with one another um but yeah for that there's a whole bunch of different things right it could be reading an article everyone reads the same article and then maybe they have you know on slack or you know chat or whatever you use at your company able to discuss it and just kind of share your thoughts on it um to to break up the day that fosters that connection it could be just making sure that no one is actually responding in that 10 minute time period or, you know, is off chat or whatnot and take some time to enjoy their favorite beverage or just take time to eat. Um, and it could be really anything, whether you're working, if you're in an office setting, right, it might be a little bit easier to get together if you're heading back to the office. But if you're still working remotely, perhaps even taking some time and, you know, one other person on your team or two other people on your team, maybe you jump on a separate Zoom call um, or separate teams meeting to be able to share, you know, a little bit about your life and create more of that. What, what what we've been finding is that, you know, what happened more naturally in an office setting needs to be a little bit more guided in a virtual setting. Um, and so maybe providing a prompt question, the manager, maybe someone on the team is responsible for it to get people connecting with one another in that brief time period. I love that, especially your first idea is taking time to eat. I think the um, eating at your desk and eating while working is something that has gotten a lot worse over the past year and a half. So that simplicity of like, you know, from 12 to 1, it is our team lunch break and you are not required to be responding all the time or we don't both meetings between whatever, even if it's a half an hour lunchtime so that everybody feels like permission um, to be able to actually just stop and eat at your kitchen table or take 10 minutes to do that walk. So those simple things that everyone's doing, because I think that accountability is really key. Um, Because when you're trying to do this all by yourself, I think that would be really hard. Yeah. And I think too, it's celebrating when you're actually doing it, right? Like you were saying, you know, like making sure that your manager or, you know, the people on your team are actually celebrating, oh, you actually weren't on the chat or you actually weren't on your computer, right? Because I think it's so often the opposite of that. Um, and having that celebration and recognition around it can just, you know, create more support and, and foster that a bit more. So one thing, another question I have, and this is, I actually heard this from somebody um, that, you know, like people say, like, take a walk, take a break, eat your lunch away from your desk. Like, that's great. Um, but this feeling that I know, I know some people like they go away worried that if they're not looking at the phone, if they're not responding to that email right away, if they're not able to deal with something in that moment it triggers that fight or flight. So people have these really great intentions, like I'm going to take a walk around the block because I want to do the self care. I want to have these good habits and they do it, but that triggers that fight or flight. So how can people actually like do the things that are going to help them 
with, but it uh, almost like it's unintentionally triggering that fight or flight response. So you're not getting the benefits of the walk because you're coming back and you're anxious. So how can you get over that piece of it? Right. And I know exactly what you mean, where it's maybe you're going for a walk or driving in your car and you're just thinking about all these different things. And then, you know, you don't even realize the path you took, right. Or where you ended up in that moment, maybe if you're walking. So Yes. So this is really where that thought shifting, shifting to a more neutral place comes in handy. And it's something that's going to feel weird at first because we're not really taught to do this, to become aware of the thought. You know, maybe it's you have a big meeting coming up that afternoon and you want to take the walk to clear your mind. But of course, you're stressing about what could go wrong or any things that could come up. Right. And so that's where it really helps to become intentional in shifting to a more neutral thought process. And so what we recommend doing is when you do have that stressful thought or whatever thought it is that's not allowing you to disconnect or to take some time away, to bring it to the surface and then start to shift to an, a neutral thought. So by by neutral thought, what I mean is, you know, maybe acknowledging that you're feeling the stress or you're feeling, you know, kind of nervous for that meeting coming up, but taking a look back on your life and, you know, acknowledging all the things that you've done so far to get you where you're at and that you're going to be okay, right? So a couple good neutral thoughts. A, a really great one is I'm a human being. So kind of going back to that, saying that, you know, maybe this isn't the best situation, but I've always been able to handle the things that have come my way in the past. So that'll be the case for this as well. And shifting to that place where, you know, it's not blind or kind of delusional positivity and just saying, wow, everything's going to be amazing. But you're getting that place of neutrality and, and raising it to your awareness. And what happens is that it feels weird at first or it might take some time to, you know, actually become aware of those thoughts you're thinking. But the brain is very smart and it starts to uh, to adapt into really this becomes second nature, just like any type of habit, right? When you first learned how to drive, it felt super weird and uncomfortable. But now you can probably do it while doing a bunch of other things. So that's what happens over time. And, and it happens a lot quicker than you might think. So how long does it take? Like if you're going to, if you're going to start becoming more conscious of your thoughts and really taking control, how long does it take to actually turn it into a habit that you can maintain? Mm. So it, it's going to be, it's hard to answer because it's going to be different for everyone, right? But what we've generally seen is that people that are consistently doing this, right? So a really good place to start that's not that um, daunting, because I'm like very big into that, just having the small steps, is what's your first thought when you wake up in the morning, right? So before you even answer those morning questions, what's your first thoughts? Maybe start with that. Is it, you know, all these things I have to do for the day? Is it what you're looking forward to? What is that? And then what happens is that you start with one, you start tracking your thoughts throughout the course of the day. I would say within two weeks or so, you're going to start to see a shift where you're acknowledging that or your brain is becoming aware of, wow, this is not the best thought. Wow, I'm thinking this stressful thought. And you can start to reroute it. You can also do this by writing it in a journal. That's better for your brain if you can kind of, some people just like doing it in their head or saying it out loud or writing down whatever is going to, you know, be most helpful for you. But it doesn't, it doesn't really take too long to do um, to start, you know, building that habit. And then what happens is, is that once you start doing it in one area of your life, so maybe it's in a certain area of work, what's going to happen is it's going to shift out to personal things, right? Or maybe health things or thing, er, other areas you're perhaps not doing the best in, you're able to raise that awareness as well. I love that. So I love, Michelle, that you like to break it down to a micro action because that was what we are all about at Ambition Theory. It's almost like you got my last question and you asked it yourself. So we always end <laughs> every podcast with an action people could take within 24 hours 
after learning something new. So would that action be tomorrow morning? Just pay attention to your first thought. Is that what you would recommend? Yes, that would be the most simple. Definitely. Just that's the first thing. And ideally, if you can connect, maybe it's someone in the group today or, you know, someone in your life that you can actually share that with and hold some accountability around it. Um, I would say that or, or, you know, right after that, asking yourself those morning questions are, are two good places to start that, you know, acknowledging your thoughts probably going to take one to two seconds to do right. Um, and then if you have a little bit more time, maybe 30 more seconds, start to do those morning questions too. Amazing. Thank you. And can you remind us of what those morning questions are? Of course, of course. So number one is what am I looking forward to today? So it's nice to write these things down um, just because it's quicker to just think about it in your head, but our, our brain forgets a lot of different things, right? So it's nice to have a track record of it that you can look back on. Um, you know, when maybe you're, you're having an off day or just feeling kind of blah, it's nice to write it down. But if you're just saying it out loud or doing it in your head, also good too. Um, so number one, what am I looking forward to today? Number two, what has potential to stress me out or worry me today? And how like choose to respond to it? So again, taking back that control. And number three, how do I want to feel at the end of today? So choosing, you know, one to two word intention for how you want to feel. And what do I need to do or not do to make that a reality? Okay, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today, Michelle. How do we find you and how do we connect with you? Of course. So I'd love to connect with everyone on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Michelle Wax, Wax, like beeswax. Um, so it should be easy to find me. Um, I'm also on Instagram, American Happiness Project, Facebook, American Happiness Project. Um, and then if you want to watch our documentary or check out any of the resources, um, just head to American-happiness.com. And we have a free happiness audit there. We have a whole bunch of other resources as well. But if you generally Google American Happiness Project, hopefully it, it'll pop up. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us today, Michelle. I learned a lot and I hope everybody else did as well. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity and inclusion every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. 